listeners, welcome into our second episode of Whisper in the Wings, and we are so excited about this one. Oh, at least I, I am so excited. <laughs> I've been anticipating this for a while, ever since I got to see uh, our playwright and performer show uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, this is one of those shows that definitely um, left an impact on me. Uh, I've been raving about this to friends, to family. Uh, my hope here can vouch for it. I, I've just been... Honestly, he hasn't stopped talking about it Yeah. Um, <laughs> since he saw it, which is kind of exciting because he sees a lot of stuff. So yes. I'm excited to hear more about it as well. So joining us on today's episode, we have Victoria Fragnito, who, is, who starred in and wrote the play Scar Tissue. So welcome, Victoria. Hi, thank you so much. Thank you. That's so, your kind words, really. That's so sweet. I'm so glad that it touched you. <laughs> um, I mean, I, 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 I gushed about it on, on our episode of the Broadway Bulletin. And I mean, I was like, I'm just going to do a whole episode of Sage Whisper, like right here, right now. And I was like, <laughs> no, I got to keep it in the bag from when we do. But no, I, it, this was, I've been starting to like compile a list of like the best shows I've seen in winter 2022. And this is definitely, if not the best, the top in the top three, like this was one of those shows that um, I bought a ticket to buy a ticket. And I was like, yeah, we'll go see the show. And I actually, the original show I bought for got canceled because of COVID because you know, that's a fun time. So um, they, yeah. lucky enough, they were able to reschedule. That, that was fun. <laughs> yeah. And so I got the night before your closing and I showed up and it was at the Players Club Theater. Am I remembering the, the right? The Players Theater. The Players Theater. The Players Theater, which is right by the Comedy Cellar. Yeah. Um, and I walk in and I'm just like, I don't know where this is at. I'm. It was my first true like off, off Broadway theater where I'm like, I feel like I'm back in college in this small theater. And I was like, I don't know what to expect, but we'll roll with it. And I just remember, I, I, I haven't had a visceral or like been so consumed by a show like that often. Like though that that's one of those shows that I'm just like, whoa, you know? <laughs> and I love that after the show, like I've mentioned in our, our bulletin, nobody got up and left. Everybody was yeah. just sitting there. And, you know, like normally I'd be like, we're all just waiting for, but I'm sitting there writing my notes and I can hear everyone just having these different conversations about what they had just seen. And I was like, holy crap, this really, I'm not the only one that thought this was such a good, okay, let's all go out for a drink and talk about this, yay, you know. And so before you know, we get too ahead of ourselves. Sorry, um, I'm just fangirling. <laughs> I love it. That's, um, I would love for our listeners and for myself to hear you kind of talk about like, I guess kind of tell us a little bit, what is your show and just kind of like an overview and maybe a little bit of your inspiration for it if that's sure. okay. <laughs> yeah oh my gosh of course um so my play is a uh, scar tissue it is kind of centered around the ptsd that women carry with us when we go through some sort of a me too experience um so these two women are best friends they've been friends since college they live together and they are both dealing with their own trauma their own scars that won't go away and they it won't they can't move forward until they deal with it um 
And of course, you know, we've all had friends, you know, we all have our own scars that we carry with us and we all have friends who tell us how we should handle things. And that's kind of where, where things start to fall apart. You know, one person thinks you should handle something this way. Another person thinks you should handle it this way. And it's not until you're ready to deal with it yourself that you can really move forward. And that's kind of the, the crux of the story um, of scar tissue. I, I, was not initially a writer at all. Um, I was an actor um, previously, just an actor. Uh, and I was looking for uh, real uh, footage and material, like uh, film projects I could, I could do to get uh, uh, footage for my demo reel. And I was finding the roles for women to be <laughs> not great. <laughs> they were really vapid and, and just there to be set decoration. If they had lines at all, if they even had a name, you know, it, it wasn't great. So I wanted to write something for myself because, you know, if you really know yourself as an artist, then you know how to showcase yourself properly. So I started writing a scene, which then I kept writing and then I kept writing and then I kept writing and then it became a full length play. And after that, I just haven't wanted to stop writing ever since. That's amazing. Now the thing in the front of the program, was that, that that's true about you and your friends, how you all got together with the game nights? And yes, yes. So I, I do have a, a group of, of best friends from high school and we, it, obviously now it's a lot harder for us to get together on the regular. We're all in different spots, but you know, during high school and college and immediately after college, we were getting together pretty regularly doing our marathon nights, which were, you know, movie nights and just junk food nights and times for us to get together. And during my freshman year of college, that first year, um, I had been date raped by someone that I was seeing mm. and I, uh, I didn't know how to process it at all. I had no frame of reference for what to do. I don't think, and at the time, like, you know, everyone, and still to this day, I feel like a lot of people still feel like rape and sexual assaults are things that happen by, you know, a stranger down an alleyway twirling his mustache, waiting to jump on some unsuspecting woman he's never met before. And this was an intimate situation that went with someone I trusted that just went the wrong way. And I didn't know how I was feeling about it. I didn't know how to process it. And I just eventually like broke down with all of my friends and told them because I, I was not doing well in my classes. I wasn't, I wasn't processing anything. And they all, every single one of them had a story, something, whether it was from, you know, someone getting too handsy at a bar and leaving bruises to the worst possible other end of the spectrum. And it was, you know, it's, I think this just the statistic is like one in four, um, but I think it's a lot more than that. Maybe one in four report it, mm-hmm. but it happens so much more often than we think and we realize. Because a lot of like I I couldn't even say the words myself for mm-hmm. a, for quite a while. Not quite as long as my character Jess couldn't say the words, but it took me a long time to admit that that was what had happened. So mm-hmm. I feel like. It's, it's a lot more prevalent than people realize. Oh, yeah. Well, and something that, uh, I mean, even me and my friends and even my mom have talked about, um, not all men have hurt women, but mm-hmm. all women have been hurt by men. Yep. You know, and so in us 
her and I talking about this, um, you know, I can't remember what it was. I think her and I had saw a show that had had something about rape in it and her and I just kind of talking. And for the first time ever, I remember me and my mom both talking about different assaults that we had had on ourselves and kind of my mom had this moment of, oh, my God, I had no idea this happened to my daughter. And I was like, oh, my God, I had no idea this happened to my mom. Um, and just both of us in that moment realizing that we as women, all of us have had something like this happen and we all have these deep scars that come with it because we don't talk about it. We try to, you know, especially because it does happen in an intimate setting and all the different, you know, stigmas that exist in society and all that, you know, for whatever reason, we don't talk about it um, nearly as much as we should um, because, you know, that kind of stuff being kept in. So I love that you were able to, um, you know, share that kind of a story with us um, and with audiences because that's just so <laughs> that's so important and it takes a very amazing like amount of vulnerability to do something like that which is something that I admire in any sort of storytelling let alone um, playwriting so thank you okay. <laughs> um, thank you yeah. Yeah. so I mean, that that's a lot I mean I I, I obviously can't come to the table with that, that same experience. I mean, the only thing that I'm able to bring is when I worked for Uber uh, in Salt Lake City, I think my dad jeans kicked in just driving Friday and Saturday nights, young girls from college and just having that, you shouldn't be here or you, this is not a good situation you should go to, but not being able to say anything. Uh, I mean, I, I, I can count on one hand the number of times that I have done or said something. I mean, I picked up a, a frat boy from a party downtown who was making moves on a girl who was clearly not in the state to make decisions. And when he got to where he was going, uh, he got out of the car and she was in my front seat and he went to go get her. And I locked the door and I said, no, nah, it's good. I'm going to take her home. You have a good night. Like you can see the writing on the wall, what was going on. And I was like, why aren't we, I don't think girls, the girls are not the issue. The culture mm -hmm. surrounding our young men need to change. I mean, it's, it's, it's a cultural thing from the time we're, you know, essentially born. It's the way we raise women versus the way we raise men mm -hmm. um, and how, you know, how we're supposed to move through the world. You know, there's you know, so much gendered and, and sexuality, um, that's like forced on kids like girls hear it from the time you know daddy's got a shotgun he's not going to let anyone near his little princess and mm -hmm. you know then on the little boys t-shirts or whatever it's like future heartbreaker and stuff like that and it's you know it's it, it literally starts from such a young age to the point you grow up and you don't realize you're doing a lot of people don't realize they're doing something that's wrong because they think that it's that you know it's so cute when they're two and it's like yeah but it's not yeah. cute when they're 18. right right <laughs> um so yeah there's you know it's it's a lot and and i feel like one thing that i really appreciate about scar tissue and the impact that it's had so far is that i've had um every type of person come up to me and say they relate to these characters 
in some way, shape or form. And it's not just one character, it's multiple. Mm -hmm. And, Mm -hmm. and I do appreciate the fact that I have had men come up to me and say, you know, I, this play made me think, it made me think a lot. And that's the important thing. That's the impact I want to have um, with this piece. And I was going to say, I, I, I don't want our listeners to think that it's just about sexual assault. Um, one no. thing I do appreciate, you're going to have to remind me, who was your best friend in the play's name? The, Sam. Uh, Sam? Mm-hmm. I like that you cover uh, emotional abuse and domestic abuse on her side of the story with, with her and her sister. Um, and I think that was so important because I thought as we were going down that story in rabbit hole with her relationship with her sister, that I was like, Oh, this is law and order SVU. Like I'm totally Mariska Hargitay. This, what happened? Like, I know what's going on here. And then when we found out what happened, I went, Oh, I was so far off. But then I was like, but that makes it even worse. Like this wasn't, there was no subtlety to it. And then, you know, of course you look and go, how can the sister be on, on, on her husband's side in that case, you know? And I really, I mean, kudos to you for bringing that because I think that kind of relationship is so present in so many people's lives. And yeah. you, in Sam's character, you showed both sides of it where Sam is just like, I can't help her. And at some point I have to walk away and take care of myself, mm-hmm. but also the, to show the, the signs of abuse and how abuse exists emotionally and physically and and how that is a trap and it's a cycle and it's not just as easy as being like no and walking away there is Mm -hmm. um there's a lot yeah so one thing i would love to hear um from you is what kind of audience do do you have like an ideal audience for this or an ideal like setting or place you would like to see the show done again or i guess what kind of outreach or whatnot would you would you love to see for your work um with this play in particular i think that i would really love for this to be done in universities and the collegiate level i think that it's it's the perfect show in in multiple ways for for people at the collegiate level because one the characters are not that much older than the than the actors who would be playing them i'm really tired of collegiate uh theater having you know people play 60 years old and putting age makeup on and then they get out of school and they're never going to play that they're not going to come near that for another 40 years so let's let them be characters that they're are their own age it touches on things that some of them are are potentially dealing with right now um as long as it's done in a safe way i think that this show as long as they have an intimacy director that they trust um and can work with i think that that universities would be a great um area for this for this piece um as far as like an audience i i think i i like if I think about my artist statement, whenever I have to like submit my work to stuff, which I hate writing those things, but when I think about my artist statement, I, my big thing is I like to write about things that we don't talk about, but everyone has experienced. Everyone has experience with some part of this. Um, so I feel like I don't have a particular audience necessarily. I think that I like to write for just about everybody. Um, 
I mean, obviously there are some things, you know, as a woman, as a cis woman, as a white woman, you know, that I'm not going to be able to write authoritatively about, but um, the things I like to write about, I definitely want to have um, an audience for, uh, you know, a lot of people that have gone through similar things and have experienced something, you know, on the same level. Yeah, I know. Uh, one thing, sorry, if you had a question, I just no, no. If you were, if you were going to follow up with it, yeah, no, I was going <laughs> to move on. My bad. Um, no, you're good. Um, so I love that you brought up the intimacy director um, because I feel like that's something that more more people are starting to employ. But I feel like um, that we do have a small portion of our audience that is from like the community theater. Um, mm. So if you could talk a little bit about what an intimacy director is and how you went about working with them and incorporating them into your show process. That would be awesome. Sure, sure. So, um, well, an intimacy director is someone who is there for the safety of the actors building intimacy scenes within the show. And intimacy, it can be anything. It's not just physical intimacy, such as, you know, kissing, hugging. It can be violence. It can be um, anything that could potentially be triggering for an actor. Um, while they're trying to build this world. So in our play in Scar Tissue, um, my character Jess has a lot of uh, panic attacks when she's trying to have a physical relationship with her current boyfriend. Um, and our director, uh, Jen Susie, she actually has intimacy director training. So we did not hire an outside intimacy director, although I have worked with people who are specifically hired as intimacy directors. Um, but Jen has intimacy director training. So she ran that from the beginning and it's it's so important i've been in situations as an actor where you just want to be a polite actor and say yes and not cause a problem but then you're in situations that are unsafe that make you very uncomfortable and you have to be so open and vulnerable um, as an actor and especially in a role like Jess or like Sam. Um, so you want to make sure that when you're building it, you feel safe, you feel comfortable, and that you're doing it in a way that you know that if at any time this isn't working, you can change it. You're not locked into something that you don't feel comfortable in. So when we were building these scenes, you know, Jen was very clear from the beginning, like, lock in with your partner, you tell me what's okay, you know, what's not okay. This is consent. It can change at any time. You know, we would clear the room when we were building, when we would run intimacy, she would ask, do you want the room cleared before we run this in front of people? We would do an intimacy call before every single show. Um, and, you know, it was, we actually ended up when we had an understudy go on in the second week because COVID, yay, thank you. Um, <laughs> there, there's a moment um, when Luke, um, Jess is me too person um, comes to the apartment and he ends up getting up in Sam's face because Sam is trying to protect her best friend. And for the actor that came in to cover, um, she was like, can we add that to intimacy call? Because that's a lot having a larger man come up into my face. And especially since she was just coming in and she, you know, didn't have this relationship built. It was new. Um, she was like, I would feel better if we added this to intimacy call. So we did. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, intimacy directors are becoming so integral and are becoming the norm. And I love that. I think that that's very important. Um, I personally think that every director should have some intimacy training, because if you have a show that doesn't necessarily 
lend itself to hiring a full intimacy director, it's good to have a director who has that training and that experience. Hey, have you seen us lately? Calling all the shots, even with the ninja roster. Time to know it's time to believe that the time is now that we're gonna make it bleed. Top shelf is always open. That's the place where Kessler rocks the water bottle floating. Daniel and Henrik are always causing pain with the ticket tape pass that'll mesmerize your brain. Pearls flying at you with the heat as clean as Mrs. Cleaver from that show. Leave it to Beaver. The Wongo's glove, hand stick side, has a double stack, gives the opposition. Let's go I was going to switch gears a little and just ask, how long have you been working on this project? I started writing Scar Tissue in 2015. Okay. Um, and when I go back and I read that draft, I'm like, what was I doing? I, <laughs> I clearly, clearly have never, first time. <laughs> oh, I clearly have never written anything in my life. Um, yeah, I was, I didn't trust the audience. I was over explaining everything. There was another character that is no longer in the show. Like it's, there's a lot. Um, but I, I've had a lot of wonderful developmental opportunities with this script. Um, we did uh, this small Shakespeare company that I work with, Matchlet, was trying to do new readings at the time. So my play was the first one that they did. And then we had a, a workshop at Dixon Place. We self-produced our own reading at um, Playwrights Horizons downtown. Um, and then we did the She NYC Festival. We got selected for that this past year and we had to do virtual for you know, COVID and then the live, and then that led us to this full production. So um, when you put it down on paper like that, it looks like everything moved really fast, but it was a much longer process than it looks. <laughs> well, then that, that also answered my next one, which was, has the, where's the show been done in the past? So I love that. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> what, well, we're going to switch gears a little here. Um, and I, I'm just curious what shows have inspired you or, or, um, do you love or what writers or composers, you know, get your juices flowing kind of thing? You know? Um, I, I currently am very in love with Zoe Kazan's work. Um, I got to see one of her plays, um, at Lincoln Center Theater. Um, this was a while ago, but it's, it has stuck with me since then. It's called After the Glass. <gasps> yes. Oh, I love that show. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm so glad you had that reaction because it is so good. It, it was, was so good. good. Oh, it's so good. And I just, I love her writing. And I think it's, it's so natural. Like the dial, I, I love naturalistic dialogue. I love yes. it um, when you feel like, you know, people just they haven't they don't rehearse they're just coming in and talking to each other that when it feels like that that's what i love um she gets me that's like <laughs> right? the show that i've seen where i'm like it doesn't feel like it's scripted it feels like they're just responding naturally does that make sense i know that's how a show should be but you know when you well, no, but but i mean even uh, funny you say that i was um <laughs> we were in like the one of the, the last rehearsals or whatever and our stage manager Alex who I, I adore she came up to me and she was like um do I actually give you line notes do I not like you wrote this so I don't know if I should <laughs> and um and 
I was like, yes, please give me line notes so I know what I'm saying versus what I wrote. But when I, in doing that, I'm like, oh, I'm saying it this way because it sounds more natural than what I wrote. So I, I definitely like a more realistic, like dialogue. Um, yeah, it's so, it's so easy when you're writing stuff to just be like this, you know, I write like this and this is how I write when I write properly and blah, blah, blah. But if you ever read like your emails out loud or so you're like, I don't talk like that. Like that's just going how... back. Yeah. No one says that in real life. Yeah, no. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. That was an incredible show. Mm -hmm. That really was. So you, so Zoe Kazam is someone mm -hmm. that you, you like, and, and the last show you saw of hers was after the blast. Yeah. It's been a while, but yeah, that was the last show I saw of hers. I, it, as far as, you know, musicals, Sondheim forever and ever and a day. Um, I, I just love the intricacies of his work. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think that no matter what, you can find something different every time you experience one of his shows, you find something different. Even if you did the show 50 million times over and you go see another production, it's, it's, there's always something new. Um, yeah. Now, I have to say before I go to my next question, just circling back <laughs> to, <laughs> yes. the, to the realistic dialogue <laughs> thing. That actually is one of the things I really liked about your show was it, mm -hmm. it did not feel I remember I specifically, I was trying to find my notes about your show from our Broadway bulletin so I could like have it pulled up and be like, okay, now what do I say? But I remember writing this note down where I said it didn't feel scripted, it didn't feel rehearsed, it literally felt like it was almost improv. Like everyone on stage was viscerally reacting to exact, like that was exactly what the they as a person would have said that they weren't given a script. They were like, this is your character and this is what's happened and now go and like we were watching people in the space just go and i'm so glad that you you totally understand what what i'm getting at because i thought i was like as we're recording i'm like am i just the only one in a bubble that sees shows and i just go yeah no i'm, I'm a fly on the wall in someone's house or is there anyone out there that gets this because yeah it, there is a difference there is and yeah. you, i feel like you can get sucked into shows when it's not only written but performed in a way where you're like yeah that's how i speak that's i I'm hearing it in the language and the rhythm and everything, the way I speak. And now I'm, you know. Yeah. So. Well, and it's, it's funny talking about rhythm and whatnot. Um, our, the woman who directed my show up until like pre-pandemic, um, her name's Francesca de Cesare and she's wonderful. She's originally from the UK. So she moved back to the UK and she took scar tissue with her. She did a reading of it over there. Oh. Um, but something that we, found out the hard way was when we cast the actors over there, um, she didn't ask if they could do an American accent. And so I have a lot of American euphemisms, especially New York-isms in the way that these people speak to each other. And hearing them in a British accent, I was like, oh, this does not work it goes at right. all. <laughs> I mean, the actors were fantastic and they did as much as they could, but like without that, like it just, it felt like something was like not yeah. working. <laughs> like, I can't put my finger on it, but just, oh, it's not landing quite right. Someone's yeah. a little late behind the beat. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's interesting. I would have loved to see that and just been like, huh, put the two next to them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Has there been any great theater lately that you've seen or you can recommend to our listeners? Well, I, I've had a wonderful uh, 
problem <laughs> in, that oh, I've been too, okay. in that I've been too busy to go see anything. Uh, okay. So I'm in, I'm in rehearsal for a show right now. So that has been taking up all of my time. Are we um, allowed to ask what the show is? Yes, absolutely. Um, I don't know when this is airing, so I hope it's at a time that, that your audience can hear it or come see it, but it's uh, Discus uh, by Hunger and Thirst Theater. Um, the playwright is Becca Schlossberg. They are fantastic. Um, the play is a retelling of the love myth between Greek god Apollo and Spartan prince Hyacinth. Oh. Um, it's it's pretty fantastic. I get to play Hades. It's so much fun. Yes. <laughs> but it's really it's really it's smart. It's really sharp. It's and my director Jen Susi from Scar Tissue is directing this one. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a lot of fun. And when and where is it playing? Let's let's give it. It's uh, from ARTNY is the company, and the theater is the. Jeffrey and Paula Girl Theater. It runs from uh, March 19th through the 26th. It's not every single day, um, but... Fabulous. Yeah. We will get that information out, and I will have to get tickets now. Um... <laughs> your favorite part about working in the theater? Um, I, I honestly just love the relationships that I've built from working in the theater. I think that, you know, when you are able to pour your heart out there, whether it's on stage or on a page and you find people that want to tell your story and be, and tell it the right way, you know, they want to, preserve the integrity of it and you just develop such deep relationships with people and I've I've made some of the best friends in my life and the most supportive people from doing theater um, whether or not they still do theater or they're doing something else I you know I've got so many people in my life from this that I wouldn't have otherwise um, I mean our one of my best friends in the whole world. Um, I went to college with him. His name's Chris McGinnis. He's produced Scar Tissue. And that came out of, um, I met up with him when he was in New York. He's the general manager at Bucks County Playhouse. Um, so he was up in New York doing, uh, working on a show for them. We went out to have drinks and I talked to him about like needing to put together a budget for scar tissue. And he was like, I can do that for you. I was like, oh, sh yeah, that'd be great. And I'll give you a producing credit, whatever. He literally heard the word producer and he went in full producer mode. Like, <laughs> I don't think that show would have happened without every single thing that he did. It was just, it, it's more than I ever could have asked of anybody. Um, even like contractually of asking of anybody like it was it was just it was above and beyond and you know it's having people like that who love you and love your work and believe in you um, I think that's the best thing I've gotten out of being a part of the theater world I, I love, love that. that well and especially <laughs> um 
something that I had to explain to some of my family members um, just between everything that's happened over the last you know two years with this uh global ponderosa happening <laughs> um is you know the the thing that has kept theater alive for me and the thing that makes it so important in my life is the fact that it teaches you how to connect with humans and something that we have kind of i mean outside of stage whisper me and my theater friends have talked about is you know is theater going away is theater here to stay um, just because with everything with film and mixed media and then with covid and most of us all come back to that same idea that theater is never going away at all because at its heart like at its heart theater is storytelling which is something we as humans do to connect with one another and as long as we are open to human connection we will always be open to theater yeah. and i yeah. think that that definitely um feels right up there with it <laughs> well i mean it's it's um uh, the they've been talking about the theater dying for years and years and years and years. And when COVID happened and they started releasing the like virtual performances, I mean, even Hamilton, you know, they recorded Hamilton and everybody was like, Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I'll, like I've watched it 15 times. Have you seen it? And I was like, no, how have you not seen it? I'm like, it's not the same. Like, it's cool. You can watch it in your home. Like, that's great. And if you've never seen it, it's probably exciting. But, but there's I'm like, something different feeling the, the other person's voice in your chest. And yes. I love what, and I can't remember the actress's name, but she played the grandmother in Anastasia. And in 2018, and, when they did, the, okay. they did a montage of the Tony Awards when they were talking about the power of theater. And she says, it's not just community. It's like the power of prayer. Everyone's mm -hmm. in a room and you all have this connection. You're all sharing the same thought, this same energy. And I was like, oh my God, that's exactly it. Like yeah. the lights go down and you're, you're not just watching a story, but you're also feeling everybody else around you's reaction. The same yeah. laugh, the same cry, the same gasp or someone just vo vocalizing this. Mm. I mean, like there was, there, there was a moment in your show where um, he said something, uh, uh, Luke, your character mm -hmm. Luke said something just like absolutely just awful. He's like right in front of me and I just, no filter. I didn't even mean to. I just go, mm. and I'm like, right yeah. in the front row. And I'm like, oh my god, I'm sorry. Then you know, I know. I remember that moment. I think it was when he said, "I don't associate with liars," and yeah, I. But like, I, I love that. I love that because that was happening a lot in the show, and I'm so glad we didn't have a, a an audience that was too polite where they didn't want to react, and especially in the space that we were in, we were in the the black box theater upstairs mm -hmm. in the players, which is, you know, small is 50 seat max. And we were, you know, super close to the audience. You really couldn't avoid, we couldn't avoid each other. And I had uh, a friend of mine came to the show uh, earlier in that week. And when Luke, you know, says that he'll leave his fiance for Jess, I literally heard her go, oh no, oh no, no, no. <laughs> like, I loved that. I just loved hearing their reactions. And, and cause uh, it, you know, you just know they're there with you. Yeah. They're going through everything you are in that moment. And it's, it's fantastic. It's and that's so what great. You get in the theater that you don't get like watching it at home or anything, you know, mm -hmm. you need the, those other people. Cause then it's like, oh my God, you think that too? All right, cool. Me and the person in H2 are on the same page. All right, the, <laughs> let's do that, you know. So mm -hmm. on our show, you know, we, we not only talk about 
shows we've seen and everything, and of course, break down the design things. One of the, the things we love to do is, is share share our, our memories about the show. So we, we want to, in the segment, uh, or this new bonus content, we want to ask, you know, what's your favorite theater memory? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Putting you on the spot. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. Hopefully I don't cry. Uh, but, so it was from Scar Tissue. Um, it's very recent. Uh, a friend of mine came to see the show and um, they were actually working the bar for me, um, which was very sweet of them. Um, and then they got to sit through the show. And I, you know, I tried to give disclaimers, you know, before people come see the show, we put, you know, we made sure there was a content warning on the ticket sales. We made sure there was a warning in the playbill, everything. Um, so they knew what they were, they were watching. But then at the end of the show, they came up to me and they gave me the biggest hug ever and they just said thank you for writing this it they were so overcome with emotion about how much they needed to see their story up on stage and see their experience and it that meant everything to me like i could have hung up my hat right then and been like great did my job like that's all i wanted and something similar happened at the very first reading of a script that was very unpolished and was by a writer who didn't really know what she was doing yet. And um, I had friends of mine from my day job. Um, she brought her in-laws to the reading of the show because it was like this cool, you know, underground New York thing to do. <laughs> and at the end of a very long version of the show, um, her father-in-law came up to me and he hugged me and he said, thank you as well. He said, as the father of someone who this has happened to, I thank you. And moments like that, just, they stay with me and they, you know, they just fill my heart. I, my favorite. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that, oh, that's gonna make me cry. Like, oh. <laughs> Just changing the world and making it better every day. <laughs> you know, no big deal. That's fine. <laughs> Are there any plans to produce scar tissue anytime soon? Uh, yeah, actually. Well, we're we're talking, my producer Chris and I are talking about um, trying to bring it to Philadelphia next. Um, so we'll see if we get any traction there. I'm also just working. Sorry, I don't know if you can hear my cat crying in the. I saw <laughs> walk in the background and I got all excited. Like, oh my god, a cat! <laughs> yeah, are, you, are you gonna come and yell at me now? Yeah. And it's a black cat. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, his name is Frankie. He's a big boy. He's twenty-two pounds. <laughs> He's that, adorable. Are you done? No yelling? shame in that. Hello, Frankie. Yeah. I think he's mad that the bathroom door is closed. Ah. You know, <laughs> because that's the worst thing that could happen. Um, but uh, getting back to <laughs> so Philadelphia, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, but I really, I want to. I think the big thing is I want to get it published. Um, and oh my and god, please, yes. Yeah. I mean, I have I have books that we sold. We sold copies of the script at players. Um, I have a copy if you want. <laughs> I, I would love to order one. Oh my gosh. 
Yeah, we have, it was a self-published thing. You know, I just printed out copies of the script. It was part of like a, the VIP package that they could have purchased was okay. that like a drink and like a signed copy of the script. Um, but uh, I really want to get it published, you know, so that other people can start taking it over. I, being an actor and uh, I have a hard time letting go of my, my babies and like, not like, I want to do it my way at least once first mm -hmm. um and once i've done it then i can release it onto the masses and hopefully let people do it but especially with that piece is something as as personal as it was to me i had to do it my way first and i had to i had to play jess um so now that now that i've done that i'm hoping that it can move on to to other venues that's amazing. Yeah. Um, so if our listeners out there want to get more information about your show um, and your script, how can they do that? <laughs> um, they can visit my website. Um, it's www.victoria, M as in Marie, fragnito.com. Um, and everything is on there from, you know, my acting stuff to my playwriting stuff. My other play is featured on there as well. Um, and there's a little contact section at the back. They can hit me up on that and they'll be able to, to do that. Or they can follow me on Instagram. It's Vicky Frags, B-I-C-K-I, Frags with two Gs. And they can follow everything on there. <laughs> Perfect. And we'll be posting all of that information. Uh, <laughs> on the socials when we when we debut this and it will also be on the description of uh of this episode um i'm i'm getting very clever with this whole social media thing <laughs> yeah that's Old a fun, fun little trip to find out all that stuff that goes into oh my gosh i i am not a social media fiend and all of a sudden i'm being tossed into it and i'm like okay mm -hmm. the insta who what nows yeah it's <laughs> I, I see. I laughed when I was working with an actor who's like, "You're gonna have to figure out this Instagram thing if you want to survive in this industry." And I was like, "No, no, I will be one of those sticks in the mud that's just like, I don't need followers to survive." And now here I am, five years later, and I'm like, "Oh my god, I gotta figure this out!" Like, <laughs> what lighting frames? Hashtag who's? Yeah, no, I <laughs> learning curve is quick. <laughs> so. Well, it has been an absolute pleasure yes. talking with you this afternoon. 100%, Seriously. Like this has been absolutely amazing and it still makes me very disappointed. I couldn't go see the show. Well, we're going to Philadelphia. It <laughs> sounds like. Sounds like That's we're making a trip to Philadelphia sometime in the future. Yeah. <laughs> well, I will so, definitely yeah. keep you all posted and hopefully actually I'm hoping fingers crossed. I can't say too much yet, but my other play with dignity, I'm hoping is having something happening here this summer. So I will let you know whenever that happens. Yes, please do. We'd yes. love to share that. Um, this has been like Christmas morning for me. I'm totally fangirl. <laughs> just been on. But yeah, so, we'll, so sweet. Thank you. You you can find more information about uh, uh, Victoria Fragnito's work again at www.victoriamfragnito.com. Uh, you can also check out our Broadway Bulletin episode about it. Um, and we'll be having a Stage Whisper episode coming up soon. So until next time, I'm Andrew Cortez. And I'm Hope Bird. Reminding you to turn off your cell phones. Unwrap your candies and keep your mask on. And keep talking about the theater. In a stage whisper. <laughs> Thank you.
If you like what you hear, please leave a five-star review, like, and subscribe. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Stage Whisper Pod. And feel free to reach out to us with your comments and personal stories at stagewhisperpod at gmail.com. Our theme song is Maniac by Jazzar. Other music on this episode provided by David Blair, Evan Schaefer, and Billy Murray.